0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films, every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. As imaginative as the creative process it documents, A Dog Called Money is an uniquely intimate journey through the inspiration, writing, and recording of P.J. Harvey. Collaborating with Polly Jean Harvey is award-winning photographer Seamus Murphy. They hatched a collaboration and it eventually became this amazing documentary film that takes them all around the world, including to Afghanistan, Kosovo, Washington, D.C. As we watch Harvey work on this record uh, called the the Hope Six Demolition Project, and it is a remarkable film. Uh, it takes us into many different levels of the creative process. It also takes us into areas of the world that are in conflict, including Washington D.C. and so many other things about it. And I'm really honored to have with us today the producer, writer, director, and photographer, Seamus Murphy. Seamus, welcome to Film School Radio. Okay, I know you met Polly back in 2011, is that about, or yeah, earlier was, than that?
1: Actually, it was earlier than that. I mean, I started working on the the films, the 12 uh, short films for Letting the Shake in 2010. But in fact, I met her, I think it was 2008 stroke nine, because I had an exhibition in London. She'd seen that. And that's what, she, you know, inspired her to get in touch. Um, there was a photographic exhibition on Afghanistan, and she was researching around letting them shake, you know, what, what, you know, she was interested in doing work about conflict, about war, about First World War, you know, they, these were just kind of rumblings in her mind, I think that she was kind of putting out feelers for what would what, you know, what she could catch. She was like a fishing, you know, like most creative stuff, you don't quite know what you're after, but you, you have a strong sense. And I think that's what what uh, led her to, to the work. And then and then, you know, we met and we got on very well. So sort of
0: went from there you collaborated with her on a, other projects moving forward when did this particular project that we now know as a dog called money when did that sort of come this, about?
1: you know she, she's a hard-working lass and i i'm a hard worker as well and a grafter and you know as soon as letting shake went out and you know she won her second mercury prize and it was you know it was a wonderful album and all the rest of it she you know she was on to the next thing she wanted like you know w- w- what's next and um you know, she, I think at that stage too, it was 2011. It was, it was the, it was protest around the world. It was, it was the Arab Spring was happening. I think she was taking all that in. I was covering some of it. I'd been to Libya and Syria, you know, and I, I you know, as a photojournalist, I was, I was covering this stuff. So um I think that was the beginnings of it. And and we, we thought rather than her just hand me a stack of songs that she, she'd just written, the collaboration had gone well with the other one. Maybe we could start something together at the same time and, and actually, go to places that would be the material i mean you know it would be the inspiration for her to write me to photograph and film and and just see what what that would what that would bring i mean we we really we had this sort of pact at the beginning if either of us didn't like what we, what what you yourself were doing or what the other person was doing or we didn't think that it was going to work as a sort of collaboration we could walk away from it there was no commitment no uh, responsibility in that way and uh, well, you know, we did one trip to Kosovo. We were invited by a fantastic film festival called Fest down in Prizren, in Southern Kosovo and to, to, to show Letting Them Shake and do some Q&As. And we did some traveling. And I'd been to Kosovo in the late 90s as a photojournalist. So I knew the terrain. I knew some people. I knew there were places I wanted to go back to. Um, I'd been there also in 2014. Um, so we, we started and pretty quickly we realized we can work together. We we enjoy this this working together.
0: Yeah, it, it really does come across as a collaborative effort. There's that element, the world, the traveling around the world to these places like Kosovo, Afghanistan. And then there is the other part of it, which is the construction of a studio. Yeah. which I found fascinating. I mean there's just again I come I'll, I will repeat this many times in the course of our conversation. there are so many different levels to what is going on in terms of this project and your and your perception of what's what it is to be an artist and what a collaborative effort looks like and just so many different things. but tell us a little bit about the, the, the building of the studio and why that was an important part of the film.
1: Well the funny thing is I had no intention of making a, 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 a film about the making of an album I mean that that was the last thing on my mind I didn't want to do one of those films I mean I you know I love those films dark side of the moon you see the guy pushing the buttons up in the mix so I love all that stuff but I didn't want to make one of those uh, and with Polly it was like you know no interviews fine I don't I don't want to interview you you know we, we just chat and and uh, you know I you know it, it was going to be different it was going to be different and I, I that suited me this is my first feature film you know I, I'd really really started making films with Let England shake that was that was the beginning of it and and so you know, I'm learning on the, you know, this is film school. I, I was, I was learning on the, on the hoof. And, and, um, and so um, I had no intention of doing the album. And then I started hearing about what they were doing. And suddenly I was intrigued because also it was a last minute decision. I mean, they were, they were going to make the album. She was looking for somewhere other than a studio to, re- to, to record it because she wanted to do somewhere different and didn't want to go into a studio, especially after having been traveling. And, the inspiration for all this stuff was being out somewhere different, you know, and, and, and observing. And of course, in a way, that's where the Somerset house thing comes into, into play. I don't know if this is a very conscious decision. I've actually never talked to her about this, but you know, is, was that the reason why she let the public in? Because maybe, you know, we've been looking at them. They can look at us. I I don't know. I don't know. But you know, again, it's another layer at one stage. We were going to call the film, staring through the glass because it's actually a, it's a line in one of the songs but I didn't think that was quite right um and then I suddenly I was I was editing with, with my editor and I just saw that the song title A Dog Called Money and I thought that's got to be it I mean that's a rock and roll title you know so sorry just to, to yeah to clarify um she came up with this idea to record in the studio it, sorry in it was actually in a basement of a very very big Room in a in, in a basement of this huge building, this palace actually in, in in the Thames, down by the Thames in central London, and they built this this wooden structure which had glass uh, around the edges, and um, they put layers of filtered uh, gels on it so that you you know if you were outside you could see in, but you were, if you were inside as a musician or me you couldn't see you couldn't see what was out there. You saw these black windows, and of course to achieve that effect, the outside was dark, and the inside was incredibly bright. So we were like battery hens. You know, she recorded that album in in, in five weeks. It was supposed to take eight weeks. She's found a new way to to make albums cheap by do by turning on the lights really because nobody could nobody could sleep. None of us most of us were sort of you know weren't sleeping at night the first week. It was very strange. but um and I you know the engineer um was complaining the whole way through about this is not the way to make an album. you know the the, the acoustics, that there are all kinds of problems. I think the mixing took, took a long time because because of that. And um, I mean, I, my, I kept saying to the musicians, look, I've got a tripod here, but you know, walk past me, don't stop. And don't worry about me. I'm not here. But of course, the, the floorboards were not proper floorboards. So every time someone walked by the camera bounced up and down. But that was part of it. you know. And you'll see that in some instances. But I always had generally had a second camera on a I mean I had one tripod another tripod sometimes but if it wasn't if it wasn't that easy I would put a I would just put the camera on the top of a drum or something and just turn it on and um and the great thing also was the audience that came in had to hear what everyone was saying and they 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 put everyone was wearing um, radio mics so it was broadcast out to this area outside that people were coming in to see the the show I mean they you know should see the recording Um, So I had access to all that audio afterwards. Every night, you know, everyone's exhausted. Everyone's gone home. I'm there with um, one other guy. The guy was assisting me. um, And we would wait an hour and a half to copy across all this massive stuff, you know, thing of of audio. And I I was determined every night to be there because I didn't want any screw ups, you know, if I missed one day's audio because these things happen. So I had all this amazing audio that, you know, you guys would be muttering in the corner. Sometimes it was like a sort of Altman film, you know, the Nashville where people are talking in the corner and the camera is somewhere else, that sort of stuff was going on, you know? And um, so, the, you know, layers again, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. Um, I mean, you can imagine what that was like to edit absolute um, joy. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm, I'm curious. <clears throat> did the people who were outside the studio watching the, what was going on, did, were they aware of the context of the, of the songs, of why those songs were were being recorded in that in the context of
1: no, and I, I don't th- and also, you know, there had been some things in the press, I think, about the fact that we'd gone to these places. There had been some level of um, you know where where this this material was coming from. Um, but I think no, the other thing was that they weren't allowed to take any photographs. The, you know the, uh, phones had to be left uh, outside. You were allowed to take notes, I think. So you had a lot of people I, I, you know, I used to skip from being inside to the outside to 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 film what people were seeing and film them. And I would see people taking notes, drawings. Um, So they I think they were kind of, you know, the the, the press reports were funny because, you know, people were kind of desperately scribbling down bits of lyrics and then trying to interpret what that what that all meant. I think they did know there was three places, you know, Kosovo, Afghanistan, Washington, D.C. Yeah. But that's kind of as much as they knew. That's
0: probably as much as any of us knew. Well, well, what kind of impact do you think that it had? I do want to get to the part of the film where we're talking about these different places, Mm -hmm. Kosovo, Afghanistan and Washington, D.C. But I'm just kind of curious in terms of what Polly was, uh, the impact it was having on her knowing that people, not knowing who they were or being able to see them, but the impact it's having on her it's like a live performance but it's not like a live performance right so and that energy that you as a as a musician derive from an audience is sort of ghosting that that uh that uh, environment isn't it, a, is well,
1: that- it it's almost the opposite it's like i think when you, you know when she's singing or, or, or playing you know musicians feed from the audience this was like the opposite they would they knew the audience was there, but they weren't getting anything back from the audience. They couldn't see the audience. Right. You could sort of feel them at times. It was weird. You, you could feel them sometimes. And and um, but I think it was what was also strange was I know I noticed this I, after three days of being inside, I went out to sort of do some filming and, and and you know find out what it was like. And my my take on it was being an outside was God, they're really acting. They're really kind of playing up. They're sort of inside that for some reason they're they're showing off. This you know because I. Because I I was on the outside I was I, that's how I was interpreting it. Actually, it was no different. Of course, it was just it was just you know I was on on another another side, and um, and also when I went back in, I was suddenly very subconscious because I'd been outside and I knew what it looked like and and what what your thoughts were looking at these people in that room. Yeah. So when I went back in, it took me about half an hour to get back into the sort of forget about the audience, just keep doing what you're doing. For the musicians, it must have been quite extraordinary because you know when, when people are making albums, and I think you see that in the film, mistakes are made. You know, they can't do something, and somebody else has to do it instead of them. And and uh, you know, although the atmosphere was very collegiate and supportive, um, and it wasn't competitive, but you were still kind of you were still kind of on show. And this was you know, and, and you you know normally they'd be on a show amongst their peers, but this was on show to the public. And you know, it was it was pretty intense. I mean, I think. The other interesting thing was that I mean, there were, I had conversation, I, I recorded conversations that didn't end up in the film about you know what will happen if this happens, what will happen if you know we one of us gets stage fright and 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 just you know claustrophobia or, or whatever, and you know you want to get out and and what happens? A great amount of unknowns. As it turned out, it was very smooth. I don't think anyone suffered in any way. And I think the album is is it's definitely affected by the process, you know.
0: Yeah, the, the, songs. the songs seem very powerful. There's uh, the, the stuff that we see in the film really very much taken by the the different she, she's always been an artist who explores a lot of different kinds of music and 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 tends to very much personalize the experience in her work. She seems a, a very uh, grounded to her own emotions grounded and she is expressive in that in all of those ways so i i just i thought it sounded great it sounds great as well as and to watch her perform and i'm using air quotes there yeah it's really fascinating to watch really is, really is and
1: some of that audio some
0: of that audio would have been those little mics on
1: people some of the audio would have been um my mic on my my camera like little sennheiser um mixture of stuff you know whatever whatever sounded the most interesting, whatever sounded the most sort of um appropriate, you know. Sometimes yeah. it was it was probably from the desk. But I don't I don't think we, we took anything from the desk in the end. Um no, it was a really fascinating exercise. <laughs> yeah. In, mas- it, in masochism.
0: I, I'm really a big fan personally. I'm sorry, you want to say
1: No masochism, sorry, yeah. yeah. Oh go get so, well, yeah. You go.
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of music that sounds a little bit unfinished, a little bit, a little bit, not, not slick and polished and all of it. I just, I, I like the rough sounds of music. And it's one of the reasons why I'm drawn to PJ Harvey is that her, her, her music and her, her songs are so raw. And so, and again, all that comes across in the film would like to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Seamus Murphy. He is the director, producer, writer, as well as a photographer in his uh, award-winning photographer in his own right. And the film we're talking about is called A Dog Called Money. Uh, again, I love the Yeah, you're right. I love the title. It, it is very rock and roll sounding. You cannot help but kind of draw that title into these places like Kosovo and Afghanistan. One of the notes I wrote down as I was watching some of these scenes from Afghanistan, knowing that the United States of America spent somewhere in the neighborhood at least a trillion at least a trillion dollars in this country and to see it now today as it is is such an incredibly not tragedy isn't the right word it's a uh, disgraceful it's it's criminal to see the condition of the lives of these people in the film yeah. a trillion dollars at least was spent in that country
1: yeah I
0: I, I mean, you know, it's outrageous. Go ahead. You know, but but to balance that
1: to some extent, I mean, and and certainly I I totally agree with you. Anacostia, you know, that was one of the reasons that Anacostia was interesting to us because we've been to Kosovo and Afghanistan and we wanted to do something in America. We wanted to do something in the West, you know, but but, um, we were looking at D.C. because of the center of Western power. And D.C. is where decisions are made about places like Afghanistan and Kosovo. But then we heard about Anacostia and a new photographer who had been there and was telling me about it. And it sounded extraordinary that, you know, in, you know, it's not generally well known outside America, maybe maybe even within America, that D.C. has a lot of poor people, you know, and they have a lot of social problems. And that was very interesting to see that um, in the country that um, is, you know, the biggest country in the world, kind of the biggest country, know, the most powerful country in the world. People are living the lives that they do. So that was that was an interesting balance, I thought.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's just, you're right. I just with Afghanistan, just the, the, without getting into all the politics of it, it's just just to watch these people. What is utterly fascinating about uh, a dog called money is that we watch the people in these places, Kosovo, Afghanistan, and how they navigate their lives and how, There's this richness of, in some ways, this richness of culture and tradition and music, the music is the connecting thread in all of this, uh, and watch that play out. And then the other parts of it, which are not so wonderful in terms of poverty and violence and the rest of it, but I just I don't. i don't know if i have a question i'm just trying to get to that i want people to understand that there well, is- i
1: think you know but you you've hit the nail on the head in some ways i mean i as a photographer people are the things that that, that you know inspire me drive me and um it was the people in these places and 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 their lives and 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 what they were willing to to share with us and um and that was that was really important i mean that was really important for her album that was really important for the film you know to um to hear what people are how they're managing um and, um, and, the, and the funny thing is that, you know, sometimes people in Afghanistan are having a better time of it than people in Anacostia. You know, they've got more hope. They may be better educated. Uh, they might have more prospects even. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a funny, it's a funny old world.
0: Yeah. No, in terms of the, by the way, the blimp was a reoccurring yeah. motif in the film, uh, which I, again, it's, you know, it, it is, it's, it's really, uh, a metaphor for the united states and its relationship to much of the what we would call the third world the undeveloped world this is our relationship to have as i think pj harvey says in the film the ground that's the that's the command post for ground control right something along those lines of that being kind of the window the eyes of the ground control which really controls so much of their the violence in the lives of those people in those parts of the world right i think the line is something like
1: beaming beaming it back to washington yeah
0: yeah the uh, there's a couple of scenes, and, and it's it's great to see Polly w- in these different environments. I I don't I mean I get a sense of her from the film, but she seems very uh, in, engaged. Oh, what how would you describe when she, like as an example, the Tin Pan Alley of Afghanistan, where she's sitting around and they're creating music together. the 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 musicians there are playing traditional music, and then she starts to get involved. What is she like in an environment like that? How would you, to our audience, how would you, know, you describe it, her? It was a very
1: unfamiliar environment for her. I mean, I, I, I've been to Afghanistan many times. And I've been in those situations many times. And I'm a man. You know, you could see that was all men in, in that room. And, um, you know, she, it was, I'm sure it was a challenge for her. But, you know, she, you could see that she was able to, able to, to ride it through. And, and you know, it, it was, it was great in the end. I mean, she, you know, she, she, it didn't, um, she loved it i mean you know she loved the if you go to other people's cultures and you're respectful and you're you're genuinely curious which i think both of us you know that was that was the motivation really curiosity um then you know they'll treat you they'll treat you with the same respect and and um that's always been my modus operandi when it comes to, to traveling and journalism you know you know you find out as much as you can from the people who are living there they're the people that know you know, what is it they need? What is it that they think? And, and, you know, that's important information that perhaps the, for example, the United States haven't really spent that much time uh, gathering, um, using blimps and whatever else, not learning the local languages, you know, simple stuff. Right. When you think of the resources. Yeah.
0: What's that one scene when um, I'd like for you to describe what was actually happening. There's a scene in which there is a, a room crowded with men in what maybe a, a mosque, and they're singing and chanting and kind of in in formation, there's a kind of a human wave moving back and forth. What yeah. was that? What was that? Because that was great. That was great. a Sufi
1: mosque. That was a Sufi mosque. And the Sufi brand of is, Islam is, is you know, far more liberal than um, the standard normal um and so they were had a tough time under the Taliban. What's amazing is actually that they that they survived. I I've discovered them first in nineteen ninety six, and uh, that was when the Taliban were in were in Kabul, and they 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 seem to be able to sort of operate because uh, it's absolutely what the Taliban would absolutely hate: music and you know right. some kind of you know idolatry, or whatever. Um, but they're amazing, and and you know the fact that they let um, Polly in. I've been there with another woman journalist eliza griswold and same thing absolutely welcoming um but i you know for that first time i went there in 96 just the the music of what i was hearing was just so incredible um i just became you know every time i went to kabul i wanted to go to that ceremony and it's every friday i mean it's every you know it's every friday there's one that goes on all through the night and i actually photographed that in stills i wasn't making films at that stage i was shooting just stills 1992, sorry 2004 Uh, i spent the whole night with them and and um you know, they get into, it's like whirling dervishes. They get into a state of ecstasy, yeah.
0: It's a yeah. trance, like. It, it, it is, it is. is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just that scene was. I I I wanted to spend more as much time as possible with that because it's joyful. The singing, the the sort of the movement. They're they're dancing as much as you can with a room full of people. But just yeah. all of it was just it just swept really swept. And it then up. some
1: of it's quite. Uh, I wouldn't say violent, but it's almost aggressive. The the, the 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 grunting and the noises, and it's you know it's a little bit threatening and a little bit sort of. Um, um yeah no it's it's it amazing amazing place to be to be in the middle of it you know amazing place and and you know very cold outside and it was boiling inside because you know the, the, the body heat and all this energy being exp- and then and then there was food afterwards and tea and that's great great way to spend friday i mean really <laughs> funny thing is i had a story that I, I was trying to find every time I've, I've tried to find that mosque i always get lost Now the same driver rasul you know we work together all the time and we always, both of us, it's like a spell comes over. us. So we never know how to get there. And I was desperate to get there this time because I wanted to, you know, get there in time to do, set things up and everything. Couldn't find it. And it was like desperation. And I said, oh, hang on. There's a, there's a blind man in the corner. There's a blind guy begging. I said, let's ask him because, you know, he's blind. So maybe with his, his hearing, maybe he's, you know, really attuned to this and he'll hear it. And apparently be, there was a guy behind us who we'd been dro- stopping and starting in the car, you know, and he was getting really pissed off with us. And then he sees us stopping and asking directions from a blind man. He blew a fuse. I thought was great.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a great story. Well, the film, it's being released through Obramarama, and you can go there to find out more about the film at obramarama.com, and it's listed on the front page. And the film, again, is called A Dog Called Money, Uh, If people want to find out more about you and your work, where would we send them? (coughs) I've got a website,
1: sheamusmovie.com. Okay, It's not. It's not really that up to date, but (laughs) it's work there. Yeah, do some work on it.
0: There's some beautiful photography uh, photos there, so check it out. It's it's wonderful. Well, I can't thank you enough. This I just had so much fun with the film. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, there's so much about her that. You just want to embrace. Uh, not only is it her 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 spirit, but also her collaboration with you. But she just seems like a a, a terrific artist, and in the, yeah, in the truest yeah. sense of the word. And yeah. uh, well, I thank you so much, Seamus Murphy. The film again thank is you called. So you're very welcome. Uh, the film again is called A Dog Called Money. Thank you for being here on Film School Radio. Thanks a lot.